Chapter Five of the Floating Prince and Other Fairy Tales. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Floating Prince and Other Fairy Tales by Frank R. Stockton. Chapter Five: The Gudra's Daughter. The Gudra's daughter was named Volma. She was thirteen years old and had never been to school. Her kind mother had taught her all she knew. But as there are many people who do not know what a gudra is, I will state at once that a gudra is a giant dwarf. Volma's father belonged to a nation of dwarfs who dwelt among the mountains. These little people were seldom over three feet in height, but the gudra, the giant among them, was between five and six feet high and broad and stout in proportion. He was a powerful lord among his people, and his size and courage gave him additional importance and influence. He was very proud of his superior stature and his high position, and this pride was the reason why his daughter, Volma, had never been to school. He considered her far above such a thing as going to school with the dwarf children of the country. Volma resembled her father in stature, and at the time of this story was as large as an ordinary girl of her age. She was very good and gentle, and would have been glad to go to school, but this her haughty father would not allow. One day Volma's mother, who was quite a small woman, even for a dwarf, began to talk about her daughter's want of education. Education, cried the Gudra. I intend she shall have an education, but I do not intend that she shall waste years in poring over books and parchments. She is a girl with a fine mind, like mine she can take in learning instantly even now she is a head higher than any woman in the country but does that make it any more easy for her to learn asked her mother of course it does exclaimed the gudra she is superior in every way to any other child in the nation she shall have an education but she shall have it all at once i am sure that her mind is capable of taking in an excellent education in a week this made the Gudra's wife exclaim in astonishment, My! Of course it is, cried the Gudra, and then taking up a heavy hammer, he struck a large bell which hung in his room. This was his manner of summoning his attendants. One stroke brought the attendant of the first rank, two strokes him of the second, and so on. The one stroke brought in old Krignak, the head counselor. Krignak, said the Gudra, you have known me for a very long time, ever since I was born. Did you ever know me to fail in anything? Most noble sir, said Krignak, I never did. There now, cried the Gudra, turning to his wife, did you hear that? I never have failed in anything, and I don't intend to do it now. But how do you expect to manage this matter, asked his wife. I don't know yet, said the Gudra, but I'll do it. The next day the Gudra told his wife that he had decided to give his daughter her education among the ordinary men and women of the world, that their methods of learning must be better than those of the dwarves, and that as Volma was now quite old enough to be a learned little princess, he should take her to the part of the world where ordinary people live, and have her immediately educated. Am I to go? asked his wife. No, said the Gudra, I do not wish anyone to suppose she has so small a mother. I will take Krigna, half a dozen servants, and the curious one. That will be enough. We shall soon be back. 
but will it not be dangerous asked his wife to travel with a child and so few attendants dangerous roared the gudra indignantly am i not going the next day they started they went on foot for the dwarfs have no horses the gudra and his daughter marched first then came Trignac, then the attendants in single file and at the rear of all walked the curious one this was a young fellow not quite three feet high and dressed entirely in white he had a small head which was absolutely bald he was a full-grown dwarf but had never had any hair on his head to add to his peculiar appearance he wore a glass cap this allowed the sun to shine on his head to keep it warm and in times of storms it protected his pate from snow and rain he was very proud of this cap which was his own invention the duty of the curious one was to find out things and tell them to the gudra he was excellent at this business being of an investigating turn of mind and was very fond of telling what he knew and on this account the gudra liked always to have him near at hand he now walked last so that he could see everything that the rest of the company might happen to do having marched for the greater part of a day with frequent rest the gudra and his party drew near a large city as they approached it they saw walking toward them an ordinary man ho ho cried the gudra here is one of them and now Krignak, tell me am i not larger and taller than this person who i suppose is about as big as any of them exalted sir replied Krignak, it seems to me it really does seem to me that you are rather taller and somewhat stouter than this person i thought so myself said the gudra drawing himself up indeed i suppose before i saw any of them that i was larger than the men of this place the ordinary man now drew quite near and was much amazed to see the company of dwarfs who composed the train of the gudra and his daughter he stood still and looked at them a happy idea came into the gudra's head we shall want someone to guide us about the great city said he to his head counsellor let us engage this person if he is acquainted with the place the ordinary man when Krignak proposed that he should become their guide immediately consented he was not rich and was glad to get a job he was also well acquainted with the city having lived there all his life the gudra promised to pay him well in the first place said the ordinary man when these arrangements had been made a party of your rank should not walk into this city it would not be considered dignified it would be well if you would sit here and rest while i go and bring animals for your proper conveyance so the gudra and his company sat down by the roadside and the ordinary man returned to the city where he went to one of his relatives who kept a camel stable and hired a string of eleven camels of these animals in single file one person on each camel the gudra and the ordinary man leading with a curious one bringing up the rear the party entered the town as they slowly filed through the streets a crowd of people collected and followed them the gudra was very proud when he saw the curiosity of the citizens i thought i should attract attention he said to himself it was generally supposed that this was a dwarf show in charge of the gudra and the ordinary man and the little people on the camels were regarded with great interest especially the curious one who was very conspicuous as he sat on the tallest camel with his glass cap glistening in the sun the party was conducted to one of the best inns where 
all were sumptuously lodged the next day early in the morning the gudra summoned the guide and told him his object in visiting the city i suppose there are teachers of eminence in this place said he oh yes good sir replied the other there are persons here who can teach anything from alchemy to zoology and there are also excellent schools which is the best school asked the gudra the very best said the other yes certainly replied the gudra sharply of course i mean the very best well then said the ordinary man the very best school is the one where the young prince the only son of the reigning prince of the city is educated in it are all our most learned professors and there is a class for every branch of education but the young prince is the only pupil in the school he is the only one in each class and all the apartments and apparatus and books and all the professors and tutors are for him alone this is the very school i want cried the gudra it is just what i am looking for but it would be impossible for you to get your daughter into that school said the ordinary man it was established solely for the young prince and his father will allow no one else to enter it some of our highest grandees have asked that their children might be permitted to share the instruction of the young prince in this most admirable school but they have always been denied the privilege that makes no difference said the gudra i have never asked i shall do so instantly i shall write a letter to the prince of the city tell him who i am and ask that my daughter be allowed to study in the school where everything seems to be brought together in such a manner that an education can be obtained by a girl like volma in a very short time without further ado the gudra wrote the letter and the ordinary man was ordered to have it conveyed to the prince that same day the answer came the prince positively refused to allow any child with the exception of his son to enter his school now indeed was the gudra angry no one had ever seen him storm around the room as he now stormed he vowed he would send to the king of his country borrow an army and carry his daughter into the prince's school at the point of the sword i'm afraid said the ordinary man that an army of dwarves would have but a small chance against the soldiers of our prince and he has plenty of them the gudra could not help thinking that there was sound sense in this remark but that did not make him feel in any better humour he called for his head counsellor Krignok, he cried did you ever know me to fail in anything never most eminent sir replied Krignok. i never did indeed well then said the gudra striding up and down the floor i shall not fail now poor volma was greatly terrified and troubled at all this and begged her father to take her home she would be perfectly satisfied she said to learn from her mother and the ordinary teachers of dwarfland but her father would listen to nothing of the kind he stalked up and down the floor still vowing he would succeed in what he had resolved to do although he did not seem to have any idea how to go about it two or three days now passed during which the gudra fumed and strode about little volma sat in the windows and gazed out at the strange sights of the great city and the curious one went everywhere looking at everything and coming back in the evening to tell his master what he had seen and heard he heard a great deal not very complimentary about himself and even that he told the gudra during one of his walks he wandered into a suburb of the city 
he wanted to see if anything in particular was going on there coming to a place where two roads began one of which seemed about as interesting as the other he was in great doubt as to which way he should go he would not upon any account miss anything worth seeing by going the wrong way while still unable to decide which road to take he saw a person approaching him who seemed to be a traveller he was dusty and travel-worn sir cried the curious one can you tell me where these roads lead i am sorry to say that i cannot replied the other i am a stranger here i never saw the city before indeed cried the curious one where did you come from i come from the land of the giants said the other the giants exclaimed the curious one why what were you doing there were you not afraid they would kill you oh no replied the other smiling they would not kill me i am one of them you cried the curious one you why you are no bigger than any ordinary man that is probably true said the other i am a dwarf giant the curious one opened his eyes as wide as they would go he was too much astonished to say a word yes said the other my countrymen and my family are all giants i am the only dwarf among them i am so much smaller and weaker than any of them that i can do none of the great things they do and so somewhat disheartened by my inferior position i thought i would journey to the city of which i have heard a great deal in the hope that something would happen to raise my spirits do you know cried the curious one this is the most wonderful thing my master who lately came to visit the city is a giant dwarf and he is just about your size that is rather remarkable said the other a giant dwarf i should like to see him you can do that easily enough said the curious one come with me and i'll take you to him he hasn't looked at many rare sights yet and i know he will be glad to see you the dwarf giant smiled and consented to go with the curious one not so much however to please the gudra as to see for himself what a giant dwarf looked like on the way to the inn the curious one who had lost all interest in the two roads now that he had found something so well worth seeing and showing told the dwarf giant why his master had come to the city and what had happened since his arrival perhaps you can help him i doubt that very much said the dwarf giant i am seldom successful in anything i undertake but i am perfectly willing to try when they arrived at the inn the gudra appeared glad to see the dwarf giant and immediately poured into his ears the story of his troubles and the affronts to which he had been subjected to which the other listened as silently and patiently as if he had not heard it all before when the long recital was finished the ordinary man was summoned and a consultation between the three was begun as little volma sat and gazed at them while they were talking together she said to herself they look just like three brothers the gudra was in favour of carrying out his object by means of some kind of force he proposed that he should challenge the prince to single combat and thus decide the matter the others opposed this the dwarf giant saying that if he were in the gudra's place he would be afraid to undertake such a combat for he had been told that the prince was a brave soldier and a good fighter the ordinary man also thought the plan was a poor one he proposed that they should all three go to the prince and lay the matter before him in person it was often much better to do things in this way than to write letters 
this proposition was agreed to and the next day the three accompanied by little volma proceeded to the prince's palace they were admitted and the prince gave them an audience they found him on his throne in a magnificent and spacious hall and as it happened to be a holiday the little prince was sitting on a cushion by the side of his father's throne the prince requested them to make known their business and the gudra drawing himself up as tall as possible began to state what he wanted and how dissatisfied he was with the answer to his letter during this speech the little prince beckoned to volma and moving to one side made room for her on his cushion so she sat down beside him and they soon began to talk to each other but in a very low tone you then said the prince addressing the gudra when he had finished are you a giant dwarf and you turning to his companions are a dwarf giant and an ordinary man the three assented well continued the prince with a smile i really do not see very much difference between you i have heard the giant dwarf now i'd like to know what this dwarf giant and the ordinary man have to say the dwarf giant said that of course the prince had a good right to decide who should go to the school he had himself founded and who should not go but he thought it would be doing a very great favor to the gudra and especially to the gudra's daughter who in his eyes was a very charming little girl the prince would allow her to study with his son he put the matter entirely on this ground the ordinary man thought that while the proposed arrangement would be of advantage to the little girl and the gudra it would also be of advantage to the prince who when his son was grown up would probably be very glad to know that there was in a country not a day's march away a young lady of noble birth who was also admirably educated at this the prince and the others turned and looked at volma and the little prince as they sat side by side but the two children were now so busy talking that they did not notice this nor had they heard a word that had been said well said the prince i will carefully consider what all of you have said and will send an answer some time to-morrow so saying he dismissed his visitors first drawing little volma toward him and taking a good long look at her pretty and good-humoured countenance in everything but stature volma resembled her mother after they had departed the gudra a little discontented for he had wanted his answer on the spot the prince proceeded to consider the proposition that had been made to him he would not have taken more than a minute to make his decision had it not been that the dwarf giant was one of the party that asked the favour he cared nothing for the gudra and his dwarfs but it would be a bad thing for him to be drawn into a quarrel with the giants who would not take long to destroy his city if they should happen to go to war with him and although the dwarf giant was very peaceful and reasonable in his remarks there was no knowing that the quarrelsome gudra would not be able to prevail upon him to enlist his countrymen in his cause so the prince considered and considered and the next morning he had not finished considering he walked over to his son's great schoolhouse that he might consult some of the professors in the matter while standing in one of the large lecture rooms the prince happened to spy a little creature dressed in white and wearing a glass cap who was creeping about among the benches and desks hello what is that cried the prince and he ordered his attendants 
to seize the creature the curious one was very nimble but he was soon surrounded and caught when the prince saw him he laughed heartily and asked him who he was and what he was doing there the curious one did not hesitate a moment but told the prince all about himself and also informed him that he had visited the palace and afterward the school to try to hear something that would give him an idea of what the prince's decision would be in regard to his master's proposition so that he could run back and take the gudra some early news but he was sorry to say he hadn't found out anything yet then your business said the prince is to see and hear all you can and tell all you hear and see that is it estimable prince replied the curious one and to pry into other people's affairs continued the prince i have to do that sometimes returned the little fellow well you must not come prying here said the prince and i shall punish you for doing so this time i might send you to prison but i will let you off with a slighter punishment than that he then called to him the professor of motto painting and ordered him to paint a suitable motto on the top of the curious one's bald head the professor immediately took a little pot of black paint and with a fine brush he quickly painted a motto on the smooth white pate of the curious one the glass cap was then replaced and the motto which was beautifully painted was seen to show quite plainly through the top of the cap all the professors gathered around to see the motto and they as well as the prince laughed very heartily when they read it the prince then called his son and told him to read the motto you must understand he said to him that this is not done to annoy or to make fun of this little person it is a punishment and may do him more good than locking him up in a cell the moment the curious one was released he ran into the street and asked the first person he met to please read the motto that was painted on his head and tell him what it was the man read it and burst out laughing but he would not tell him what the motto was many other people were asked but some of them said there was nothing there and others simply laughed and walked away devoured by his desire to know what the motto was the curious one ran to the inn feeling sure that his friends would relieve his anxiety but they laughed just as the others had done and even little volma told him that there was nothing there this he did not believe for he had felt the paint on his skin and so he went to his room and holding a looking-glass over his head tried to read the motto there was something there that he could not see plainly enough but the words appeared in the glass not only to be written backward but upside down for the professor had stood behind him when he painted them so he had to give it up in despair and for the rest of his stay in the city he wandered about vainly trying to get someone to tell him what was written on his head this was the only thing that he now wished to find out why don't you wash it off if it gives you so much trouble asked the ordinary man a little oil would quickly remove it wash it off cried the curious one then i should never know what it was i would not wash it off for the world after the prince had consulted with the professors he concluded solely because he was afraid of offending the giants to agree to the gudra's proposal it will not matter so very much he said as he only wishes his daughter to attend the school for one week it seems the ordinary man was very much opposed to this plan of getting an education in a week 
he thought it was too short a time not only for volma but for himself for he wished his engagement to last as long as possible but the gudra would not listen to any objections his daughter had an extraordinary mind and a week was long enough for her he took her to the school and desired each professor to tell him in turn all about the branch of learning he taught and thus get through with the matter without loss of time then each day while his daughter was in school he and his party in company with the dwarf giant and under the guidance of the ordinary man visited all the sights and wonders of the city as for volma she did not study anything as children generally study she went from room to room asking questions listening to explanations and paying the strictest attention to the manner in which the little prince studied and recited his lessons the professors did not pretend to tell her as the gudra had desired all about their different branches they knew that would be folly but they gave her all the information they could and were astonished to find she had already learned so much from her mother in exactly a week the gudra brought his visit to a close he took leave of the prince giving him a diamond handsomer than any other among his treasures he bade the dwarf giant good-bye and then with his party mounted on the eleven camels he rode away until he came to the mountains where paying the ordinary man twice as much as he had promised he left him to return to the city with the animals and proceed it for the rest of the journey on foot there now he cried to his wife when he had reached home did i not tell you i never fail in anything my daughter has been to the best school in the world and her education is finished my dear volma said her mother to her when they were alone what did you learn in the great city oh mother dear said volma i learned ever so much i learned for one thing that the largest dwarf is no bigger than the smallest giant and that neither of them is larger than an ordinary man and at the school i learned that it takes years and years to study properly all that i should know and i found out how the little prince studies and how he recites and i have a list of the books and parchments and other things that i need for my education and now dear mother we will get those things and we will study them together here at home this they did and gradually little volma became very well educated every year the young prince came to see her and when she was about twenty years old he married her and took her away to the great city of which he was now ruler volma's mother used to make her long visits but her father seldom came to see her he liked to stay where he was bigger than anybody else the dwarf giant went home in very good spirits he had found out that a very small giant is as large as an ordinary man and that satisfied him as for the curious one as soon as he reached home he gathered together a lot of small looking-glasses and so arranged them that by having one reflect into another and that into another and so on he at last saw the reflection on the top of his head with the letters thereon right side up and in their proper order and he read these words there is nothing here now what does that mean he cried did that motto professor mean hair or brains he never found out End of chapter 5